Welcome to episode 22 of Superstates, Practices of Transformation with me, your host, Joshua Peters. Superstates explores the crossroads of using trance states to make personal or professional changes in your life. And in each episode, we talk to world-class experts industry leaders, and revolutionary thinkers who share the latest information and tools along with their own personal stories to inspire you on your journey. This week, I talk with Red K. Elders. Red is a body worker and a movement facilitator turned professional artist and a creativity trainer. She's got a background in authentic movement and NLP and a deep foundation in both Eastern meditation traditions and Greco-Egyptian sorcery. Curious and ready to hear more? Stay tuned for Accessing Trance States and Unleashing Creativity with Red K. Elders. Welcome to Super States, Red Elders. I am stoked to have you on the show today. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. I'm looking forward to our conversation as well. Great. Well, Red, why don't you start by telling me what you do and how that makes transformations for people, for either your own life or for others? Sure. So um, I'm currently working as a visual artist making pencil drawings of ancient gods and mythic beings. And I suppose what's unusual about the way that I work is that I have no formal training as an artist. And I feel my ability to draw is directly related to my ability to access trance states, flow states at will. And that really all emerges from all the work that I was doing before I became an artist. Um, so I have many years of experience working in body work, movement and somatic practices, things like that. And I've learned through all of this how to get my, my body into the right place for creativity to flow effortlessly. So, so when my drawing first started becoming successful, fairly recently, I suppose, I had a lot of people asking me to teach them to draw. And I didn't feel qualified for that because, you know, I've never been to art school. I don't really know the skills for drawing. <laughs> and so I said to them, look, I, I don't really know yet how to teach the skills for drawing, but, but what I can do is teach you how to be in your body in such a way that makes creativity more accessible, more possible. And so this is what I did. This is what I've been working on one-to-one with clients and hosting group movement spaces. And now I've actually been exploring, working through creating an online course, testing the parameters of what's possible with somatic work online. <laughs> Where, um, yeah, sorry, that's it really. <laughs> yeah, I know that, that's really, uh, there's a lot of really fascinating things about what you just described there. Uh, number one, the way that you're creating your art and kind of almost like, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like kind of channeling the art, channeling the, 
the experience as you open yourself up to these different uh, gods that you that you draw. Which, by the way, your your art is really fantastic. I like was looking at it, and um, I've I've already picked out several different pieces <laughs> that I that I'm ex excited about. Um, uh, so, is that is that basically what you, is that how you're how you see it? I mean, I hadn't really thought of it in that way until people pointed that out to me and described it that way. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I don't know. I don't really know what channeling is, I suppose, but I guess it kind of fits that description in a way. Um, and then in more recent years, you know, I have started working more, um, more actively with that concept in that like, I do a lot of research about the, the characters that I'm working with. So I'll do a lot of like historical research and kind of you know, story research about the gods and the figures. And then, you know, I'll be working with some of the ancient invocations of them. So I will actually now actively invoke the ones I'm working with and then take that into some movement work, take that into some body work, and then, you know, then take it to the paper and see what comes. And yeah, it can be really surprising because I often, you know, a lot of the time I think, Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to draw that, and what comes out is something radically different. <laughs> so, yeah. And you, so you have an interesting background um, of of the somatic work, the body work. Share with us your like your story. Like, how did you get to how did you get to this point? Well, it's kind of a long story. Do you want the long or the short version? <laughs> I feel like I've had about sort of four or five different major lifetimes to get me to this point. So, um, but let's make a sort of condensed version of it. Um, I was living in London. I was living a really successful, happy life, running my own graphic design company in the center of London in a great relationship, in a great house. Like, you know, everything was really great and successful. But um, at the time I was having also some strange kind of energetic or somatic symptoms that I couldn't quite understand or place. And so I started working with, um, I found a Kundalini yoga teacher randomly and started working with him. And that was kind of helpful and gave me a bit of framework. Um, but that quickly led to me coming across this really old Taoist teacher, strangely in the middle of London. <laughs> And I actually went on quite a long period of working directly with him, doing a lot of Taoist internal energy practices and um, meditations and that kind of thing. Um, and he really gave me a really great framework for working with this, these symptoms, these kind of energetic forces that were moving through my body and kind of helping me to um, have a bit more control and agency about what was happening. Um, cut a long story short, then... Soon after that, I came across uh, Joseph Riggio and his Mythoself process and the worlds of NLP and hypnosis, which also really spoke to me. Um, I was particularly interested in how they work with stories and the stories we tell ourselves about how we are in the world and who we are in the, in the world and, and how these things are you know, embedded in how we are ontologically in the world. That really fascinated me. And about the same time, I also met and worked with a German lady, Silke Ziel. Um, and I began a period of study in process-oriented Reiki and body psychotherapy. 
So um, there was a lot of, you know, a lot of different somatic bodywork modalities all going at once. Um, and ultimately, they caused me to get out of London. You know, all my senses were kind of being opened further and further by all of this work. And I was feeling more and more like being in London was not the right place to be. <clears throat> but that seemed really crazy because I, I had a successful career. I had a successful partnership. Um, but at the same time, I could just feel that there was there was some other life that was calling. You know, what I was doing was successful, but it wasn't really who I truly was. And I think that's where Joseph's work was really instrumental in giving me that that new story that I could write for myself about who I truly was and, you know, to, to feel that in my cells and to follow that story to where it led, which, you know, it it's as, as always the case, you know, it's kind of like a hero's journey story. I was feeling the call to adventure and then, you know, I crossed the threshold and I I left I left the woods. Uh, I left so I left and I left and moved to the woods. Um, this was something that I'd kind of contemplated and hadn't really kind of thought was possible. I just had this sense that there was maybe like you know a peaceful room somewhere in some woods that I wanted to be in, but I didn't know how to get there. And then I went. I did a series of trainings with Joseph in upstate New York over a year, and. They were really powerful works, really powerful trainings. And in one of them, in the middle of one of them, I ran out and climbed and scrambled through the woods to the top of this rising rocky outcrop overlooking this, the Hudson Valley. And it was this incredibly beautiful, wild space. And I've been doing this really intense training. <laughs> and then I just stood there on this ledge and looked down over, you know, 40,000 acres of Hudson Valley forest. And just out of nowhere, it was like the perfect time of the day, the perfect moment, the perfect temperature. And then, then six eagles, oops, six eagles just suddenly randomly appeared below me in the valley, just soaring around so peacefully. And I don't know, it was one of those kind of real transcendent moments where I just felt, okay, there's something else here. There's something greater. There's something bigger directing all of this. And, you know, it was a real moment of awe and wonder and majesty. And I knew in that moment that I had to pledge my allegiance to this greater force and, you know, make that move out. So, yeah, so I did move out to the woods and it was um, it was it was a bit crazy. <laughs> it was like, um, you know, I packed up my things. I moved into this barn in some woods kind of outside of London, but still sort of close. And, you know, within the first month of being there, it was like all of the shielding and guarding of my senses that I'd had to have to live in London just started to fall away. And my senses, all of my sensory systems started to kind of come online in a new way that I hadn't ever known before. You know, um, everything just flowered open, the smells and the colours and the sounds and everything was just so incredibly vivid and well there's a whole lot more to say about that time but I lived in the woods alone for two years um mm. it was an amazing time and and you might call that my you know my living in the woods phase <laughs> but actually you know actually that was just really the kind of belly of the whale phase because 
if we if we continue using this hero's journey model, then um, I'd crossed the threshold, but the true journey had still yet to unfold. Mm. And you know, two years after that, I actually moved deeper into the woods, into a different woods, even further away. And as I was living then in a really remote rural woodland where we had no electricity, I was off grid in a shed for nine years. So. Wow. <laughs> That was really basic. That was very simple, you know, living in the woods, truly life. Um, and I birthed and raised daughters there. And so that was kind of that period, that nine year period was where um, a lot of the really great learnings happened. But anyway, ultimately, I was trying to cut this story short. <laughs> <laughs> um, but ultimately, kind of, you know, all of those experiences, all those all those experiences of kind of like being out in the wild places and all the body work and all the meditation and the, the trainings combined to bring me to where I am today. <laughs> yeah. And so you, you mentioned these great learnings. Can you share with us a, a lesson that you've got from that experience? One of those great learnings? Yeah. So, so during that time, during the second, the second woods that I was in the deeper woods, um, I was running community groups there to bring people into the woods because we were really isolated and I was raising two young children there and I kind of needed people around to help with that, yeah. right? <laughs> I needed some community because I didn't re really know what I was doing. So I created these um, these woodland community groups where I'd bring people, maybe people, you know, families who wouldn't normally come down to the woods with their kids, they would come and we would... Um, we would do quite a structured morning together of a walk in the woods, of sharing food, of doing some like crafts and things with the adults, not with the children. The children were fine doing what they were doing. <laughs> it was more like to do things with the adults in the woods. Um, and then we would culminate with singing songs. I would lead songs around the fire and they were always kind of like seasonal songs and we would repeat the same songs and change with the seasons. and you know, this went on for like six years, you know, three times a week, every morning for six years. Um, and after some time of doing that, I began to realize that, that bringing the people there and doing these, you know, like wholesome things with a group of community was a real offering to the, to the space, to the woods themselves. And I began to like, like physically feel this kind of mantle of care extending outwards from the woods and and holding the whole group of people and it, it was so strange because you know so we'd get to the time where I'd be singing the songs around the fire and I'd be singing a wind song for example and then a wind would actually come you know yeah. or I'd be singing a song about insects and you know a dragonfly would come and land on my knee and these kind of strange little magical occurrences started to happen more and more and yeah, I really learned a lot there about about giving something, about giving richness to a place, you know, giving it offerings of ritual and community and creating things together and how that in itself is such a strong way to form a bond with a place itself. And I think I think maybe out of all the experiences I had living in the woods there, that was what I came out of it with most, I think, is that sense that you can really weave yourself into the roots of a place and have a relationship with a place, have a relationship with woods and trees 
in a much deeper way than I had ever thought possible or known before. Mm. Wow. I, I love that. That's, um, I spent a lot of time in a rural life, um, and grew up for a while without electricity as well. So I, okay. I resonate <laughs> a little bit, not having, not, not as an adult, uh, and I, and I'm the one that moved from the country in back into the city, but, okay. <laughs> but I totally resonate with what you're talking about, how that, that connection with the land is mm. very powerful. And mm. even still, I go back to the place where I grew up and there is that connection to that, to that place. Mm. And you feel it, right? What I mean, I say, do. Do you feel it? Yeah, you. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like yeah. I, it's um, it is a it kind of charges, recharges me. It's the place mm. where I go when I need to get away from the, the noise. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Red, what would you say has fundamentally changed about? how you work with people from uh, when you started and how, where you're, how you are now? Um, so I think when I first started people, when I first started working with people, um, I think as I've become older, I think I've become more relaxed. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. Maybe I can sum it up as just being more relaxed. So um, I used to strive a lot, you know, I used to try and read a lot, understand, try and understand what was going on a lot. Um, and, you know, try to achieve some kind of great knowledge or some great experience, you know, like there was something to get that I was trying to get to. <laughs> and I think somehow along the way, I've realized that that striving was actually getting in the way of me just directly having the experience of being. Um, so that has changed a lot, I think. And now I'm much more likely when I'm working with people to just to just be with them because that in itself is such a powerful space to offer somebody. You know, your full presence is such a powerful mm. um, and transformative gift to give people, to be seen, to be witnessed, to be heard, to be listened to, you know, all of these things in the past, I might have felt, oh, I need to do something or I need to offer them something. or I need to um, give them some solutions. And I think I've stepped back a lot more and realized that I can just create a space, hold a space for people. Um, and it's much more powerful when they find their own ways to what they're looking for. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, I think, you know, I think another thing that has changed is that I used to work in a lot more traditional kind of setup. So I'd be um, indoors in a room, you know, with a chair or with a massage table close by. And then later, my work now frequently involves being outside and taking people out to some wild nature place, um, having a walk with somebody, walking and talking. And that experience of walking like alongside somebody, you know, not kind of in this sort of like almost quite confrontational way, but being alongside somebody while we're both moving through a landscape in a rhythmic way. Um, that in itself, I find extraordinarily um, useful, really, just for helping people to 
relax and open and soften and be into a different place. And, you know, their whole our whole body's moving together and breathing together. It's then the kind of and the magic flowing in and out of the land that's around us as well. So I've had sessions walking out in the land where, you know, we might encounter a starfish at the coast that inspires a whole movement pattern of opening and closing and release, perhaps. Or I've had sessions in the woods where my clients been like on their knees, weeping at the base of a tree. And then we've looked up and noticed that the tree has been simultaneously weeping sap at the same time. And that's been really like profound for the for the for the person to feel like, yeah. oh, you know, everything's weeping with me here. <laughs> so yeah, those kind of, I think I just love working outside because you get a lot more possibility for that kind of strange magic happening going on all around, that kind of those serendipitous occurrences that really bring new insights that I wouldn't have perhaps noticed or they wouldn't have noticed on their own. Mm. That's, I, I love that. Um, and it sounds like a fantastic way to kind of bring all these different ideas into a trance state, like just walking with somebody, yeah. that repetition, talking, exactly. the, experiencing the world around you, giving you feedback, it, really wonderful way to do that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're already, you know, we're both then automatically in a trance state. We're automatically in rapport. We're automatically kind of, you know, in the same space together yeah. in those moments. So, yeah. Mm. Now, it sounded like a lot of what you do now is help people find uh, their creativity. Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah. And that can manifest in different ways. So, um you know, I can, I've worked one-to-one -one with writers, musicians, poets, exploring these ideas, but, you know, also people working in other careers because, you know, creative thinking is, is relevant in, in lots of different dimensions. It's not just in the creative arts, you know, like scientists need creative thinking, ecologists need creative thinking as well. Um, so, yeah, you don't have to be a person working in the arts to benefit from, from this kind of work. Um, I mean, yeah, so I have two daughters here living with me and, you know, mothering is always calling for a quick, adaptive, creative thinking. I'm constantly being tested and flipped out of the flow and pulled in any number of directions away from the center of myself. So that ability to stay connected to the place where I have access to the most resources <laughs> I've got a fly coming around me now. <laughs> you see, these are the kind of things that go on. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't know what the fly is saying. So where I'm being pulled away from the center of myself where I have access to the most resources. So to stay within this flow state, even as I move away from myself, even as I move with disruptions, that's you know, a skill that any parent would surely appreciate as well. And what's... Uh... What is a practical way that somebody can do that? To what? To stay in the to center stay of the Yeah, to stay in that place. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, I think one of the biggest things I would say to people straight away is like to slow down. You know, to slow down a lot and mm -hmm. to just change the pace of things, because I think we can 
process and manage a lot more things if we just change the pace of it. You know, so um, for example, in like a situation where there's some conflict resolution to be employed, you know, it's quite hard sometimes if if you have opposing sides who are sort of escalating things quite quickly, it can be hard to see where to um, to interject or to kind of, you know, insert something in there. And so I guess this comes back to like my practices of meditation, breathing, that kind of thing, which offers people a chance, I think, just to widen that gap of choice about responses mm. in a situation. So, yeah, you know, so we can handle massive conflict if we slow it down and just process it more slowly. Um, so I think, yeah, just being able to slow things down and to, yeah, yeah, to have more choice and so, agency I mean, in reactions. Meditation can help in so many different ways, but that, that idea of slowing down <laughs> is, is vital. Exactly. <laughs> Even when this little fly is buzzing around, <laughs> it's trying to pull you out of your, it is, of you your see? creating space. Exactly. <laughs> I'm right here. <laughs> it's testing you right now. <laughs> you you did mention the insects that come to you, so <laughs> exactly, exactly that. So here it comes. <laughs> now, uh, Red, you said that you've been working one to one with clients, but you're exploring a a group program. Share with us this group program, program, what your vision is for this or how it's working for you. Yeah, so um, so I started I started developing the um, the online course um, mostly as a kind of, you know, I came up with the pandemic in a way because obviously people stopped coming to in-person groups so much and I resisted creating an online course because I was like how can you do somatic work online <laughs> it's kind of the antithesis of it in many ways um but I had also worked one-to-one -one via zoom with some body work clients and it and strangely it had been actually really effective so um so yeah so I did develop this course and actually it, it's you know we're about to take on the fourth cohort of it and and I'm hearing some really great things from people um and that's always my test of, you know, whether it's successful or not. Like, is it actually having any benefit for people or not? And I'm hearing some really beautiful things. Um, so basically, it's, you know, I realized that a lot of the work is about me guiding people through exercises. But because I haven't got that in the moment, you know, being able to adjust in the moment for what the person is doing, um, the course really relies on people feeding back to me what's going on. Um, so I do encourage them to, you know, even though I've got like guided exercises and guided videos of, of experiences, then it's, you know, a big part of the course is them feeding back to me their experience and then we discuss it. So there's a big like discussion group part of it as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think it could work without that really. It's like, you know, it's, you know, none of the exercises are me saying, you know, here's what it is and this is how you do it. It's like, here's something to explore and try and work with. And, and what happens, you know, what happens for you when you do it? Because obviously we all have our own physiology. We all have our own experience and it's going to be a different experience for each person. So, yeah, it, it relies a lot on feedback from the people. <laughs> mm -hmm. What are the, what kind of person is 
uh, would be ideal for this program? Well, I mean, so many different kinds of people have, have joined. It hasn't really been one particular demographic, which I found really interesting. So, you know, there have been creative people in there, people who want to have more access to, you know, um, to doing like visual arts work. Um, but there's been a couple of writers, actors, um, also just, I mean, anybody who's kind of interested in learning a bit more about how to work with their own bodies and have to have more, how to have greater awareness within their own bodies. I think a lot of people have come to it feeling quite disconnected from their bodies. And maybe the whole pandemic experience has kind of highlighted that, you know, time at home, they've been with themselves. And maybe some of them have felt that they want to connect more with who they are and what they're about. And so, you know, through some of the exercises, that's definitely something that we explore is, you know, how do you know who you are? How do you know what you want and, and what you're doing in the world and that kind of thing? Um, so, yeah, there's not really one particular <laughs> person it's for in many ways. And, and I'm really enjoying seeing how how the exercises are affecting different people in different areas in surprising ways that I might not have even considered myself before. Great. I, it sounds it sounds like a pretty uh, fascinating program. Uh, one of the things that I am uh, th that I really love about all of the different people that I've talked with, we take our life, our life's lessons, and we just kind of bring those forward and and help somebody else maybe get there a little bit faster. So that's kind of what I'm hearing from you is. You have this breadth of, of, of being, you're an artist, so you're a creative person, but you also have these different uh, experiences with yoga and, and Taoism and this internal energy movement. Um, and you've spent all this time now learning how to tune into your own, uh, your own voice i guess I, I don't know what mm. what else to call that or mm. your your own internal creative spark yeah so now you're you're helping other people find that within themselves yeah and also i think you know it's 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 about that it's about finding that creative spark but i think also just you know generally i'd like to see people learning skills for greater agency within their own bodies you know, to realize how much more marvelously vast sensory capacities that we have available to us, you know, um, that I think that was really highlighted by that time when I when I left London and moved to the woods. And, you know, suddenly everything kind of blossomed open in that way that I described. And I was so surprised, like, oh, there's all this, you know, there's colors can be like this and and sensations can be like this. Um but also, you know, I'm not just talking about our ability to, you know, generate bliss states or flow states and things, but, but also just to have greater choices about opening and closing our sensory gates as well. So, you know, mm. for example, you know, perhaps some people in the world have, have too much, I have too much experience coming in. Um, and so it can be useful sometimes to have greater agency over dialing that down somewhat 
you know, dialing down your experience of being mm. in the world. But having that choice of whether you dial it up or down, um, I feel that's a really useful skill to have. And I think more than ever, I feel a real longing for humanity to develop greater abilities to, to have this pause and to consider and to choose our responses to situations more elegantly, considering more of our relations and our places of responsibility within all systems, you know, not just our personal whims. Um, and I think that's really what I learned through living in the woods is that sense of interconnectedness with, you know, the whole great web of beingness and where we fit in that. Yeah. Mm. What is what have you found has been the the hardest thing for your clients as they're as they're exploring this? Like what's what's been the biggest challenge for them to move through? Mm. Um, I don't know if there's one biggest challenge I can think of. I mean, you know, different people have different challenges in different ways. Um, I'm actually quite surprised by how quickly people people get this really you know, you know quite easily as soon as you sort of just direct their attention to to noticing things that they might not have considered noticing how how quickly sometimes they're just like oh you know oh there's this whole way of being um so yeah i'm quite surprised by how fast people get it i can't really think of any um i think yeah, just I the yeah is that okay? I'm trying to think of something, but no, I that's fine. Yeah, what? Because you, you you just flipped it around on me to to re let me know it actually is simpler than people think. It really is. Yeah, thank you. That's that's probably a, a shorter way of saying it. It's much simpler than people think. And you know, so I've definitely discovered this in doing the the course, which is over seven weeks. But quite often, you know, after just the first week's presentations, there's people like, "Oh my God, I didn't know." I didn't know that this was possible. And it's, you know, and, and this this really comes out of the, you know, the transformational change work that I experienced with Joseph Riggio when I was working with him. He's, he was a real master at the front of the room. And, you know, I learned through him that, that, that transformation can be pretty much instantaneous. You know, it doesn't have to be, you know, I have to go on this long thing that's going to take me years and you know, it's going to take me a long time to break this habit. It can be like instant, you know, just shifting, mm -hmm. shifting how we are, shifting how we move, shifting our posture. And we, we show up in the world in different ways. You know, we, we start living new stories when we yeah. physically move our bodies, right? That yeah. was exactly where my mind was going yeah. as, you're, <laughs> as you're talking about this. Yep. It's a different story. In, and yeah. we tell it in so many different ways, both like in our head, but also in our body is how we also tell that story. Yeah, and completely. That's, what is, uh, that's what's really cool about what you do. Mm. What's, what do you, what's giving you hope about the future of using these types of trance states to make changes for people? Um, yeah, I think just, you know, just that idea of people having greater agency over their lives. I think a lot of people feel, especially these days, you know, there's a lot of, terrible things going on and a lot of people feel oppressed and feel you know at the whims of, of whatever's happening in the world and to you know to a certain degree there isn't very much we can do about a lot of that stuff 
Um, but in small ways, we can have greater agency over our everyday experience. And I think if we can start to just kind of create that space, then hopefully we can maybe lean into it and expand it outwards even more. And also I'm a great believer in, you know, that sort of um, the kind of holographic way of experiencing things. So, you know, if I can make small changes in myself, you know, I'm actually enacting greater changes in the whole system that I'm connected to. And, you know, even even in a small domestic level, you know, in my house with my daughters, I might not be able to get them to do something. But if I shift how I am around them, then they just have to, you know, they naturally just have to kind of fit into the new pattern. So that's why I feel like, you know, it can be so powerful even just working with one person because the whole system, the whole family unit has to change. Mm. And that gives me hope. Yeah. I feel like that's that's at least one small way I can move forwards in the world. Love that. <laughs> Red, how can people learn more about you if, if they want to uh, connect with you? Sure. So I have a website, <laughs> which is redkelders.com. And that houses my artwork and also details of any workshops or bodywork opportunities to work with me and I'm also at the moment really enjoying these um there's interactions happening in my new subscription offering that I'm doing through my website I, I thought I'd make more of like a community based where I can chat about some of these ideas with people who are into them too so I've created an uh offering called art salon um where I share something of my secret inner world my creative somatic and spiritual praxis you know all combined the whole mishmash of it um thought and ritual processes and along with poetic musings writings and some guided exercises and things in there too um so that's that's exciting me right now because i only just started it um it'll be the third month coming up on this new moon Great. And then other than that, I'm also frequently posting on social media, Instagram, Facebook. I'm at rkelders.art. So follow me there. <laughs> I will make sure to have some links in the show notes for all of this. And the other thing I want to just check in with you, I know that you're, you, you mentioned that you're starting up the, uh, the group program is, a uh, I think another, um, what did you call it? The the next cohort oh, is yes. starting up <laughs> in, in November. Is that accurate? Yes, that's right. November the 13th, I think it is, if that's the Monday. Yes. And mm. that's happening. You can find that. Is that also on your website? Um, it is on my website, but you can go directly to the Blackthorn School. That's theblackthornschool.com. Um, it's hosted by a, a separate school, so you can find it more directly just on their website. Okay. I'll put a link to that as well. Great. Thank you. Red, Red what's the one insight you want the audience to leave with today? Um, so I think something fundamental that I learned that really pivoted the way that I move in the world, and we've touched upon it already, is how our how our physiology, how our being vastly influences our whole experience of being in the world. 
Um, so how we are in our bodies impacts our, our mood and how we think. And as we begin, begin to move our bodies in different ways, then we open up new possibilities for ourselves and for everyone around us, all the systems around us. So I think if we can gain greater awareness of that to, to really sink down into like the cells of our bodies and become more acutely aware of the tiniest processes, you know, the tiniest micromuscular movements, as Joseph Riggio would call them, um, we can begin to then, you know, consciously work with those and shift them to take more control of our experience. But then, so that's like, a, that's like a basic, that's like a basic skill. But then even going on beyond that, you know, we can actively work with our physical forms to then access different states. I mean, so we do this all the time, right? You know, every night we, we lie down to go to sleep because if we're horizontal, it's more easy to enter the trance state of sleep. And, you know, so if we're, if we're sitting meditating, it's, it's more conducive to that state of meditation if we're sitting upright with an erect spine. So there are these different body postures that we know already that many of us access frequently to achieve different states anyway. But there are so many other somatic positions to explore that to me are like, they're like keys to unlocking different states. And what I find fascinating is that for accessing flow states, for example, the way I do it is, is completely different to the way that you may do it or the way that somebody else may do it. Mm. So it's like we, we each, it's like we're each these magical puzzle boxes with our own unique keys for unlocking. And, you know, we're just waiting to be unlocked. <laughs> yeah. Like that a lot. Thank you so much for your time today, Red. It's been a pleasure to chat with you. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Great to meet you.